drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown to Trumbier, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. We serve up that Kool-Aid to the Detroit Lions fans so you guys can drink it in. Drink it in, man. <laughs> I'm excited for this episode. There's so much to talk about, so much optimism going on with the Lions from the coaching staff to the players, obviously the offseason, but it's a great time to talk football. And I'm really excited for our guest that's on this week. He he comes on uh, monthly, time to time. The guy's a busy man. But uh, me and him have not chopped it up since the NFL draft completed on air. We've sent some texts. We've talked. We've given our opinions. I think we're both pretty excited about what the Lions did. Uh, Sports Illustrated, all Lions, the legend, (laughs) Logan Lamrandier here on the Kool-Aid cast. Logan, how you doing this week? (laughs) Oh, great. Better after that sweet intro. The legend, huh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you you've reached that status my man you come on here you've got good takes um you know optimistic intelligent we love that here on the kool-aid cast and uh man like i said we got to talk nfl draft on this show i think uh you know we're going to serve it up for the people i got some questions for you i'm sure you're going to have some quick hot takes for people some very uh interesting responses before we take our break here on this first segment i want to give the people the okri draft versus the Lamarandier draft. I know me and you both made our picks live on the clock. We'll we'll serve those up, give our uh, quick opinions on why we did what we did. Maybe we'll have to put that out to a poll. And then the back half of the show, I want to talk to you about this rookie camp that went down. Get your thoughts on that and, and bounce some some kind of big picture questions off of you. So as I always say here on the show, we can't mess around. We got to get right into this talks of football. Are you ready to do this? Oh yeah, ready as ever. <laughs> Logan, let me ask you this. I mean, like I said, I texted with you. You seem pretty optimistic. Give give us your big picture view of what the Lions did in this draft. Brad Holmes, Dan freaking Campbell. Like, what would you think overall? Yeah, so I think big picture, I was very happy with how the draft played out just because you see a lot of high potential players, and these aren't just, like, great athletes. Uh, and I think maybe it was Campbell who said it himself or Brad Holmes, I forget, but it's exactly the takeaway I had immediately after the draft is the Lions went after these players that are very athletic. And typically those are your higher potential guys, but they're also just great football players. They show up on film and they can do a lot of things. And to me, I just think uh, they didn't reach for anybody. All the picks were like, Oh yeah, like that's where that player was supposed to go. They're not just worried about needs and Oh, we had to fill this position. I think they kept true to the board and picked the best player available. And yeah, my board was maybe slightly different and we'll go over the picks I would have made. But overall, I just was like, man, what a difference compared to the last regime where they were picking players who is more of like the opposite where these players had high floors, but low ceilings just due to limitations that they had or their 
just great leaders or high, high football IQ type of guys, but you know, they had some issues on the field and with Holmes, I just feel like they drafted a lot of really good athletes, but also I think high floor as well, because the, the guys they got for the most part, you know, we're all great football players at the college level. So I'm excited. I was really happy with this draft. And I think Brad Holmes falls in line with more of my draft strategy, much more than Bob Quinn did. <laughs> well, if you're doing what Logan Lamarindier is thinking, you got to be doing something right. But uh, <laughs> I I think everybody was on board with Sewell. I still really can't believe he fell to seven. That was tremendous on so many levels. Uh, big player, uh, add to a strength on the offensive line. All the fan base seemed to be behind that. Obviously, the front office was excited about it. So, I mean, there's not much we need to talk about that one. But let's go ahead and work our way through. I got a couple questions for you. So, a lot of the fan base, you know, was was on on the side of JOK. Jeremiah Usukuramoa there in the second round. Pretty surprised that he lasted into the 50s. A lot of people had him going mid-first round. He ended up being there. Obviously, the fan base was all about needing and and needing to totally change the linebackers. The Lions went with Levi Onzerike. Um, You know, guy me and you had talked about, kind of second DT on the board. What do you think, both live when it happened and then now looking back as that kind of decision? Is that one to look back on, or do you do you like having Levi in the fold? Yeah, so at the time, you know, I was fine with it. I still am. It was actually one of the picks I probably wasn't super high on. Just with Onzerike, you know, the flashes are there on tape. There's no doubt he's has a very explosive first step, is very disruptive and just like violent hands. And he plays super aggressive and is really fun to watch. And maybe my hesitations with him came on him playing a lot of out of position where basically Washington plays like just their best player at nose tackle and owns Rike's 290 pounds. It's like that, not your typical nose tackle. So I think he, he'll probably look a lot better as more of like a three tech, you know, gap shooter and even like a, a five tech defensive end, you know, that three, four defensive end type of player. Um, but again, I was, he's a little on the older side. He's 23 years old, right shirt senior. Um, the production was never truly there, but you could just see flashes of, of greatness from him. And that's what excites me. And really there was no one on the Lions defensive line other than maybe, maybe Deshaun hand has a, you know, a quick first step in his athletic as well. But in Patricia's defense, it was always just like two gapping and trying to hold blocks and contain two gaps. Whereas Onzerike. I think if you just let him get after the quarterback or, you know, on run plays, kind of shoot gaps and just knock people over and keep the linebackers free, I think he's going to look really good. But yeah, JOK was definitely very interesting. I wasn't as high as on as him either, I guess, but uh, I still had him ranked above uh, Onzerike. But again, he's kind of like that tweener where it's like, all right, well, he's, 220 some pounds. It's can he be a linebacker? Is he more safety? But um, overall, Onzerike, I am totally fine with the pick. And I, I think it makes me feel better because there's a lot of other people out there, draft analysts, that had him ranked, you know, as a potential first round player or maybe, um, you know, the top defensive tackle on the board. He was actually my number four defensive tackle on the board. I actually had McNeil ahead of him, who we'll talk about here in a few. 
Good stuff there. Like I say, for for me, it was a bit of a surprising pick. It's not a guy I took in mocks, but when you hear the kid talk, when you hear, when you see what he does, when you kind of think about, you know, a team that's rebuilding, getting a, a big tackle um, on the offensive side of the ball and then getting a big defensive tackle to kind of move around and be able to do some things with the type of mentality and the kind of kid that loves football. I've kind of really fallen in love with the pick and just really interested to see how what he does on the field as well as, you know, how he integrates in the community and the, and becomes kind of one of the new leaders of this team. I, I'm really excited, and I don't know if you've heard my new nickname, and I don't know if it's stuck yet, but Big Denim for Levi <laughs> might have to be what we go with. I, I, I love what he can bring in the middle of the defense and his nasty mentality. So I, I'm with you. I, I was leaning towards JOK because I like that uh, versatile linebacker, and that guy just pops off the film when you watch him. But I can understand why the Lions would go with the big beef here. Now, let's talk about, you know, the the skill guys. Everybody wanted receivers. Oh, we got to get a flashy receiver. We don't have any receivers. We got to add some more weapons. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we heard that in Detroit? Like, I know you were a Jalen Darden guy. I was a Deami Brown guy late in the process. Deami Brown was there in the third round. Jalen Darden, I believe, um, you know, third round, went in the fourth to Tampa Bay, I believe. So it's like, Talk to me about those two players, but the Lions, me and you had a little back and forth. You didn't seem too high on St. Brown. So you, you said you would have rather had Darden. I kind of would have rather had Deami Brown, but the Detroit Lions fans are loving them some uh, St. Brown there in the slot. Kid might play from day one. What do you think about those three wideouts? So, yeah, no doubt. I think St. Brown could come in and start at the slot right away. I, I do think he'll be productive almost to me, especially because He's almost like a you know, veteran receiver coming into the league with just his route running ability and his physicality and the way he plays the game. But, but of all the draft picks that Holmes made, you look at it and he's not going to fly by anyone. Um, you know, he's not overly athletic. And, he, you know, he, I, when I watched this film, I was like, he drops the ball a fair amount. But then at the same time, he'll come down with some con- contested catches that he shouldn't be making either. And I, I just don't think his run to the catch is all that great. I mean, it's good, but it's nothing elite like I would like in a slot receiver. And that's what Darden had going on where, yeah, he was small, but he was the, one of the most electric players in the draft, could make people miss and just could do a lot with the ball in his hands. And that's what I prefer. But, you know, with St. Brown, I think he's, he's pro ready and he can come in and contribute right away. I just question – you know, long-term, is he going to be a guy you can just really build around? I don't, and it's tough to get that in the fourth round anyways. So I'm not knocking the pick too much, but uh, I know we had already discussed this you know, offline and uh, yeah, between St. Brown, I think I had him ranked as my 116th overall player and he was taken 113th. So again, he was drafted right around where I thought he should go. So I, I can't really complain about the value and it is a little nitpicky that I'm saying, Oh, I got to have, uh, Galen Darden <laughs> over him but and then yeah Diamond Brown he, he's kind of an interesting player because I it's more of a projection his route tree you look at it he just ran a lot of deep deep passes just the nine routes and he did well doing it and that's always nice to have but the Lions really I think needed a slot type of receiver for this year and I know you've heard me preach all season off season long they don't need to reach for needs so um, I think St. Brown can play 
both inside and outside. He's not limited to just the slot, but this year he should fit in nicely and hopefully has good production because you, you see a path that he can do that. I'll go ahead and pull the curtain back for the people. So when me and Logan got to talking about this, you know, of course I'm sticking up for my lions. I'm saying, man, what a great value in round four, like St. Brown. He's got some golden Tate. He's got some Steve Smith in him. He can run inside. He can run outside. The guy catches up over at the top. He can sneak behind you. He can make little plays. Got that toughness you look for. And and we know Logan Lamarandier is an athlete guy. He wants athletes. He wants guys that have shake. He wants guys that can get up over the top, outrun you, all those types of things. So we're going back and forth and and i did have to beat you up about i mean logan i'm the guy that has the ultimate man cave the draft room with with players by position and type and all these different board but the logan lamrandier board is is becoming a life of its own i mean we got out we got 120 guys ranked from a to z and that's the that's the gospel i remember having to give you a little bit of junk about that as well uh so i i got my rankings you got your rankings but i mean come on this was a great value and and again on the cool Kool-Aid cast, we bounce around. Like I went and bounced to the uh, fourth round uh, receiver there instead of uh, talking about our big third round pick, which I know you got some opinions on, and that's big fella McNeil, another guy that wasn't really on my list. Um, but I love the love the player. This guy's a big old bowling ball from his legs to his shoulders. I mean, he's he's thick, he's athletic, um, he's a penetrator, not just a gap holding slug. I mean. But I know you love Milton Williams, athletic freak, tested out of the blocks. He's more of a get-after-the-pass-or-move-him-around-the-line type player. Um, You love his scores. You love his shuttle. You love all that good stuff. I mean, McNeil's a football player, man. Like, again, wasn't my first choice, but I am falling in love with this guy as well. I hope he just tears it up, disrupts in the middle, and creates great things for the Lions. So tell the people a little bit about your man love for Milton Williams, but maybe why you're loving another big-bodied pick by Brad Holmes. Yeah, so Lee McNeil, I mean, outside of the Sewell pick, you know, I didn't think Sewell should be there at seven, but he he was. The Lions got him and couldn't be happier. Outside of that pick, you know, McNeil was my second favorite pick, and that was just due to – I told you earlier, he's my second rated defensive tackle. It's just because he's very unique with what he can do. He's an elite run stuffer. I think he was PFF's like top run stuffing interior defensive lineman last year. And you think he's just going to be like your typical nose tackle, 320 pounds, just, you know, plugs holes. But uh, what's crazy is that he's 30 pounds heavier than owns Enrique, and he still had a faster 10 yard split. And he still has that juice to get off the line and uh, just overall a great athlete. And it would be so nice to have a a nose tackle that can not only play the run, but if they do pass, they can actually get to the quarterback. And that's what McNeil is. And that's just really rare. That's difficult to find. And so I know Milton Williams, I had a little bit higher, but and Milton Williams (laughs) ended up going one pick after McNeil. And it was, you know, I'm sure everyone's seen the video by now of the Eagles uh, draft room when they had traded back wanting to get McNeil and then the Lions took him and they were left as Milton Williams with the consolation prize. But Milton Williams is a different type. After the Lions took Owens Arike, uh, Milton Williams is probably redundant because they're both a little bit undersized for defensive tackle, probably more of the three tech, five tech, whereas McNeil is your true like nose tackle or uh, he could probably be a three tech if he wanted to with his quickness but Milton Williams you know just watching his film he kind of came on late in the year and just was dominant and uh 
you can just tell his quickness off the line and just wrecking, wrecking people, you know, strong. And it's just the, the length of Milton Williams was probably the biggest concern. Um, but I mean, really McNeil wasn't too much, you know, if you look at the arm length, isn't too much greater, but uh, I really like both those guys. And McNeil was a guy I was picking up all the time in like the fourth and fifth round of my mock drafts being like, I don't know how this guy is still here, but here he is. So I'll take him. <laughs> nice. Well, like, like I said, another player I'm really excited to see on the field, him pairing up with Levi as well as I'm just cannot wait to see what Sewell does in that offensive line. So lots, lots to think about. I mean, I'm right with you. I thought it was a great draft. Uh, you look back now at the mentality and kind of where they filled. Uh, you, you can't hate it um, both long-term and for this season, get to see these guys on the field. It's going to be really fun and something different here in Detroit guys with personality guys that have some juice, people that can um, fill these important holes on a football team and and I'm really excited to see it so we, we won't talk about every player I've got some questions here later but right now I mean before we take our commercial break we, we got to have the dueling drafts, and that's the Oakry draft for Slam Randier draft. And uh, this is me and you making picks live as they happen. We, me and you don't cheat. We don't like wait it out and then think about it. Look at who was. This is like when the Lions are on the clock, we are looking at our boards, looking at who's available and making the picks live. It's, it's, it's very different. You know, like I remember back in the day, my buddies, you know, they would always come back like a week, month, year later, be like, I would have took so-and-so or how did they you had to know this guy was no good or you even forget who was available at the time so picking live is really the only way to do it so I'm gonna give my picks and I'm gonna give about 30 seconds to a minute of why and why I'm so excited about the guys I would have drafted for the Detroit Lions you'll get to do the same and like I say we might have to put it to the people to sort of see who won the dueling mock drafts are you ready for this Oh yeah, I'm. I've already posted mine on social media, and I've seen the responses I've gotten. So, if we duel, you might beat me. <laughs> oh man, it's a, it's always a fun exercise, though. So I'll, I'll be quick with it. Um, like for me, Penny Sewell was a slam dunk. Took him at seven. I did take JOK there in the second round. I felt like he was a versatile piece, both at linebacker and if you want to move him around as a chess piece, I like that. Gave me Diami Brown in the in the third with the first third round pick there. With that second third rounder, I was kind of looking. I I went into this draft feeling like the safeties were just a debacle. You know, I felt like unless Tracy Walker becomes all world and and Will Harris figures out how to play football again, and they just got nobody else. So I went with the Jefferson, the kid out of Indiana there at safety, I felt like he had a lot of good ball skills, made some plays, turnovers, just seemed to be a really good value there late in the third round for me. With that early fourth round pick, I just looked at the board and I said, hey, you know, we didn't get pits, but I I feel like I still want to pair somebody else uh, quality up with uh, TJ Hawkinson. So I went ahead and got Brevin Jordan from the you <laughs> and uh i felt like this kid can play every time i turned on a game he was just making catch after catch um davion nixon there um you know right after that when the lions traded up that's what i felt was best value he seemed to be still on the board there in round four i like him as a player i hadn't taken a big body interior player so i thought that was good value and then i had to wait all the way to the seventh and this was a hard one for me because there was like some corners i liked there were some other players and it was like 
ah, screw it. Just give me Dylan Moses, who I know has his issues. But I also know that a year ago, he was like a round one or early round two guy. Now he's going undrafted. Are you kidding me? I still need another linebacker. I got a versatile piece in JOK. Give me that. Give me that leader. Give me that just, you know, guy I can put in the middle of the defense, make him have the calls. That's Dylan Moses to me, who went undrafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, those were my picks, Logan, right there. I got some, a couple linebackers, big old tackle, give me a receiver, and then, like I say, might be luxury picks with the tight end, but also give me the safety to turn the football over. So that that's where I went. Yeah, so I I like all your picks too. I would have been fine with all those. And then, so my picks, I went yeah, number seven overall was Penny Sewell. Um, again, I've talked ad nauseum about that about how he was my dream pick and it actually happened so i was super pumped about that uh and then the second round at 41 uh, when aziz ojolari and i know he had some health concerns um that kind of probably pushed him down the board but when you look at the lions defense if i i think it's going to be more multiple but they're calling it a three four base defense and then you look at the outside linebackers like the rush linebackers the lions have in in the defense and i feel like they don't really have your true quintessential type of outside three, four linebackers. So that's why I went with Ojolari. I think every year I pretty much fall in love with, you know, a bendy edge player who can really turn the corner and, you know, the lines always pass on him. but uh, who knows what the medicals truly are with Ojolari. So with that, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. We'll see how it plays out. But I, uh, I Ojolari was in my top 20 um, prospects. So I would have liked that value there. Uh, so third round, the Milton Williams pick, I would have picked him over McNeil if, you know, obviously I didn't pick up Onzerike in my draft. So I would have liked Williams just uh, with his potential. And then in the fourth round or no, the second, third round pick, that was Jabril Cox. So I couldn't believe Jabril Cox was still hanging around. I thought he could have been an early second round pick. Now his film against the run is pretty bad. It, it's not great. He has a, he's got a long but in a pass lead, you have to have linebackers to cover, and there's many true cover strategies. That's why I was more than happy to go with Jabril Cox at the end of the third round. Uh, in the fourth round, the back-to-back picks at 112 and 113. <laughs> Here's one I probably wish I had back. So Rashad Weaver, defensive end <laughs> from Pittsburgh. Um, I just really liked his film. Whenever I watched the Pitt film, I'm like, this guy's pretty good. And then looking at his measurables, had a great uh, 10 yard burst Had a great three cone, which I think is huge for defensive ends. And again, maybe not a perfect scheme fit for the, what the Lions are doing. Um, Cause it is more of a four, three defensive end. But I think with how multiple they're going to be, they could probably find a spot for him, but <laughs> pretty much like, I think it was like a day within a day of the draft ending. It came out that he had a, like a run in with a lot. Uh, so yeah, there was red flags there that I didn't know anything about, but again, we were picking these players at the time of the draft. So that's why I went with, I didn't want to cheat the people and change my pick. So that that's my explanation there. And then you have Jalen Darden was the pick after him. I would have went with that wide receiver just due to the things I mentioned earlier. Um, and then lastly, in the seventh round, I mean, you're basically just picking undrafted free agents when you're the third to the last pick in the seventh round. Uh, you're just basically getting a guy that's either going to be undrafted and just securing his services. But I went to Darius Hutcherson, who's a guard from South Carolina, and he did go undrafted. Uh, but, you know, knowing my affinity for 
athletic players. He's a big bodied guy who's super athletic. And again, I think has sky high potential that I wouldn't mind taking a chance on. So that was, that was my draft. If I would have live picks, those are the guys I selected. Interesting. I, I like the honesty. I like, uh, you know, some of the value you got there. I also love the fact that, like you say, as you see Jabril Cox fall, you're just uh, saying, man, I, I can't pass this guy. He fits a need. You know, that's kind of the draft process. And you got kind of the other way where you take a guy like Weaver, who was a guy I liked as well, and you felt like this was a need. You hadn't taken a, a D end at that point. And then, like you say, you can't really go back and undo if he does have some troubles. That's why the live picks are so great. And uh I like a lot of the things you did there. I really do. So we'll have to find out a fun way to kind of just gauge this. But like you say, if you if you have opinions on those drafts, you can find me on Twitter at Derek Oakry. You can find Logan at L. Lamarandir. You also check out all his articles, Sports Illustrated, All Lions. I know he's been doing some fan questions. Lots of questions is pouring in. So are you hashtag Team Oakry? Or hashtag Team Lamarandir here on the pick, so we'll have to we'll have to see. But two really good drafts, I think, both by by each of us, and then by Brad Brad Holmes, which is one that really matters. So, Logan, let's let's take a break, get our great sponsors in here, and we come back. I just want to give you some rapid fire things, kind of a, about the rookie camp, but more so big picture of of some of your opinions on ceilings of players. Will this guy start? All that type of stuff in regards to rookies. So, you ready to talk some more uh, Detroit Lions rookies here on the back half of the show? Of course, let's get to it. All right, everybody. Listen to our sponsors, please. They really help out the show. And, and, and you know, we're serving up that Kool Aid here all day, every day. Drink it in. Uh... We'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, I am fired up. I am excited to tell you about one of our new great sponsors. Now, by now... Most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, it's time to go see what the buzz in the Dynasty fantasy community is all about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, and so much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Do you think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. 
So here's what I need all you guys to do. Head over to Reality Sports Online. You'll hear me talk about it on the show and call it RSO. Head over to Reality Sports Online and check them out right now. Everybody, I want to take a quick pause and tell you about my other Lions podcast. Now, you know on this show, I serve up that Detroit Kool-Aid on Wednesdays and Fridays. But on my other podcast, that drops on Thursday mornings. That's called Believe. And that's spelled B-L-E-A-V and Lions. Believe in Lions with myself and Lions legendary safety, Benny Blades. That's right. Me and Benny Blades chop it up, talking football. He's hilarious. He makes me laugh. We get in a bunch of arguments. And, you know, he talks about the you all the time. But Benny also talks about the Detroit Lions. He was a great player on the field. He has great stories. Love his football knowledge across the board. We have a bunch of fun. So everybody hit that subscribe button. Find it on your favorite podcast platform. Again, that's Believe in Lions, myself and Benny Blades on the Believe Podcasting Network. Check it out. We thank you so much for the support. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers? Thank you so much for listening to the show. This is always one of my favorite shows of the month or when we get Logan on. It's tremendous. Like I say, you got to go check out his articles, all the different things he's writing about the Lions. Um, Definitely saw him on some radio spots talking about the draft and whatnot. And like for me... I mean, gosh, the the momentum just keeps building with this team of just like Dan Campbell, Dan freaking Campbell. Sorry, I got to use his government. It's just so fun and so engaging. Brad Holmes seems to be really intelligent. I like his moxie as well. So just real fired up about this team, as I know a lot of fans are. And yeah, they got to go win on the football field. But it's just a really breath of fresh air. And this draft was like, oh, man, good players at good value, positions of need with upside, things that we can build around. So just excited about it and Logan uh, I got some questions for you here man so we'll just dive right into them you know the rookie camp just went down and rather ask you you know what you thought about it because you know they didn't have a quarterback there wasn't any thing really going down on the field but I got some big picture questions about these rookies now that they're together and we know who's drafted and before you know it they'll be mingling in with the vets so my first one to you is adding Sewell you know Taylor Decker Jonah Jackson Frank Ragnow N.A. Sewell, I think, you know, anywhere from 20 years old up to the the aging vet is like 26, 27. Like, can this O-line be dominant in your opinion? Yeah, I think it can be if Sewell pans out. And, you know, I feel pretty comfortable that he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, there might be some rookie growing pains, but I think everything's there. And we know what Taylor Decker is. And he's not an elite left tackle, but he's, you know, on that second tier of fringe, like really solid type of tackles. And Frank Ragnow, I put him in the elite category. Now the guard spots is where I do have a little concern. Jonah Jackson looked pretty good as a rookie, but there is my concern with him is I thought he was one of those pro ready type of players where again, that classic Bob Quinn draft pick of high floor, maybe not the highest ceiling. So I'm just, hoping to see progression out of him because he, I felt like he kind of hit a rookie wall last year where he looked really good and then kind of fell off a little bit, but um, not concerned about him too much. It's more of the, 
right guard spot where it's with Vitae. Uh, who knows really how much that foot injury hampered him last year. It seemed like it did quite a bit, but uh, he appears to be the starter at this time. But if all five of those players just play like you think they should play, I think they can be dominant and really help out the offense, especially if they get a run game going. It's only going to help out golf as well. Let me just calm your minor fears, Logan. Like between Hal Vitae, Crosby, if he stays, Stenberg, you know, whoever else, you, know, you can rotate a right guard. If that's your big worry, the right guard spot, and the other four have high draft capital and guys that have played at a high level, we, we got to feel pretty good about our old line. And like your your question, will Sewell pant? This is one of the, I mean, I have little to no worries about this guy. I mean, I think he's going to be dominant and fun to watch, and that's always hard to say at offensive tackle. The way he gets out and can move his feet and crush people, man, I think it's going to be really fun. I think they could be top eight, top five before you know it, so I can't wait to see it. Now, I threw out the nickname earlier, Big Denim. I mean, can Levi and McNeil, like, how good can these guys be? I mean, they were both taken, you know, high second round, high third round picks. People are saying, like, hey, this is the, you know, interior of our defensive line for years to come. Do you see that? Do you see them being a good pairing? And how good? Is this something that we're going to be talking about in, in a year or two? And like, wow, these guys are a problem inside. Or are we going to be looking back going, eh, like, we got hype, but they're defensive tackles. They're not They're not world beaters. I think their lines are set up for a long time with these two guys. Just because of the way that they're going to be used, I think they're going to be played to their strength. And that's sometimes the biggest issue is just where – you know, the circumstances surrounding rookies, sometimes rookies can look a lot better than they really are uh, depending on where they're at. But with both with McNeil and Onzerike, it's like, I, I just feel like they're going to be asked to just wreak havoc and they're, they both have the ability to do that. And you put them together and you add in Brockers and, you know, maybe even hand Trey flowers moving in kind of maybe a little bit more inside. And I, I think it's going to be a fairly strong, maybe a little bit better than people are giving the defensive line credit for at this point. And it's going to be in large part due to the, the gap shooters that are McNeil and Onzerike. And that's just how their defense operates to really free up the linebackers and let the linebackers roam free. So I, I'm pretty pumped up about the defensive interior for Detroit. That's a lot of bodies, a lot of beef up front. I mean, I think that, you know, we have not been able to get to the quarterback, but we also were playing that scheme. So now you're going to see guys try and get up the field, try and get after the quarterback. You'll be able to rotate guys. I'm really excited. I just kind of need to see McNeil, uh, you know, uh, how he's used and, and what he does on Sundays. Um, Levi, I think, is going to be more than adequate what he's doing and, and, and a good player, the way they're going to use him and, and rotate him in and out and all that. So, I'm just excited to see it. I'm excited to see all those big bodies and, and actually try to get after the quarterback for once. We haven't seen that in about, what, three, four years here in Detroit, if not longer, since we made that run and had that one defensive line that was dominant. That was quite a while ago, and we haven't had too many of them. So we um we talked about St. Brown a little bit earlier, so I guess I'll turn this question a little bit. We kind of both agree that he might be an early starter. You had some questions about him. I'm drinking that Detroit Kool-Aid pretty high on this kid from a mentality perspective. Like, 
Do you think that because he's a receiver, because he might be used a lot early and he can get open quick and kind of be Jared Goff's, you know, one of his uh, early targets here, depending if they add anybody else, do you think this is one the fans will really get behind because he might make some really fun plays early and, like I say, he's a receiver, people always seem to gravitate to those guys. Do you see him being a fan favorite or a guy that people are kind of like, wow, this guy's a crazy value because maybe he makes plays earlier than some of the other guys do? For sure, and the receiver position is obviously one of those spots where yeah, they can make plays and make an early impact, and it's like notable plays, whereas other positions – they might be doing things that just, you know, casual fans watching you know, the, the game are like, oh, like I didn't see him do much. But then you turn on the film and you realize what they're doing. Whereas St. Brown, it's like, yeah, if he makes some catches. And I do think he's going to be heavily utilized. And Jared Goff likes his slot players. So I, I, there's the potential for yeah, Brown to really make an impact early and really probably draw on the fans being like, all right, like let's, let's go. So um, I, I do agree that. Yeah, early, I think he'll probably, St. Brown will probably be one of the rookies who popped the most, uh, the quickest, I guess you can say. And I think my favorite part about the St. Brown pick is, you know, when we talked that I was a proponent of waiting on receiver. I felt like you could spend that resource other ways. The fact that they went big tackle, big defensive tackle, bigger defensive tackle and then waited till early round four to get this really nice value at receiver and the guy's so versatile too we didn't get some lanky guy that can just go up over the top or some you know little slot receiver runs two yard out routes all day this guy can do a little bit of everything and and i think that'll complement the speed that we've added uh, really nicely because we have not had speed at the right wide receiver position in a long time so it's gonna look real new and i just think the value is so good just to wait you know brad holmes joked like man everybody get off my ass i took a receiver it was like man i love that you just kept waiting it out and i felt like this guy was kind of like the last guy i i really would have wanted now there were some other guys i liked but just great value there so i i really love it i think the fans will love it and i agree with you i think he makes a few plays people are going to be touting this as a tremendous pick and i think he's got the mentality to be here for a long time be impactful so excited about that now this next one benny blades on my believe in lions on the bleed podcasting network he wasn't so fond of the name iffy <laughs> he said man if you're iffy that's no good Who, who's called somebody iffy well i want to ask you logan Lamrandier, are you iffy or not iffy when it comes to iffy or would you rather call him melly which i heard this weekend which i thought was cool so uh, y- your thoughts may be on the nickname where you stand with this kid six two, 200 plus pound corner i mean i'm not iffy are you I like the name Effie kind of. It's kind of catchy to say. And Melifonmu, I you know, that was one of the easier names for me to pronounce because uh his older brother was a draft crush of mine, you know, a few years back who busted out and that was one of my on the clock picks I made to the Lions. So um <laughs> but I think you know, Iffy is uh he's a little bit different. And anytime you have the cornerbacks that are six two, just taller guys, they're not gonna be the most uh, agile or quick of foot. Now, uh, Melifonu has some great explosion. Um, and if used properly, I think he can really turn into something because he's got some pretty good ball skills too for a guy for his size, which I really like. Like as a cornerback, I feel like the Lions need playmakers and people that can get their hands on the ball. Melifonu can do that. Um, 
but he's he's not going to be someone necessarily who's going to be able to keep up and with the, the smaller shiftier players i think he's truly an outside corner man press kind of cover three type of guy and that's how i envision the lions will use him and he has potential to develop into more but uh you there, you've seen set plenty of taller players that um excel but as far as the foot quickness goes he might struggle a little bit with the smaller guys but again just use them properly and you're not gonna have to worry about that Logan, every time you come on the show, I mean, I like the analysis. I like the you always bring the analytics. You 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 bring the strong takes and opinions. But sometimes I gotta hammer you for the entertainment value. Is it iffy or is it melly? I mean, if you had to pick one, which one would you go with? I know, I know. Sometimes I like you like iffy. to ride the fence. I like iffy. <laughs> okay, so I will tell next time I I see or text or speak with Benny Blades, I will say, "Hey man, we got more people that aren't iffy on the nickname Iffy." Okay, I, I know you think you can't you can't be cool in South Florida if your name's Iffy, but I think it's swaggy. I like it too. So uh, I think he could be really fun. I heard some people saying he could be a, a you know a star type potential. Well, the fact that we just added that corner another body with some upside with some of our other young guys. I mean. You just got to love the youth and upside of these corners. Now they got to go do it. Now they got to go lock somebody up, play with mentality, play in somebody's coat pocket instead of that ridiculous Swiss cheese type defense we've been watching where they're playing way off and, and aren't up on people and can't get their hands on the football. So I'm I'm definitely not iffy on this pick. I thought it was another great value spot too. It was like late in the third. It was just like you looked back at the board, you're like, wow, it was just a really good corner with unique traits at that spot that nobody could really argue with. You know, same with the the St. Brown pick and same with this next pick, Logan. Derek Barnes. Now, I've said he spells it wrong. I mean, you got to go with the short version, D-E-R-E-K, like yours truly. But I won't hold that against them. I mean, Derek Barnes, they moved way up to get this guy. He was on some people's radar, other people not so much. I've fallen in love with this guy from a mentality, personality. The more you watch his film, the more you see him explode to the football. You see him diagnose and and shoot his gun and tackle people, unlike some of the other players the Lions have had recently, (coughs) Jared Davis and others, who I stood up for and who I thought would be good. He never could put it together. I'm, I'm not sure what he'll do with the Jets, but Derek Barnes is a guy that is just a tremendous kid from top to bottom. You know, if Spielman likes him, I like him type of thing. And I think this guy could be my favorite pick out of this draft class when it's all said and done. I could see him starting and playing early. I could see him making plays. And I could see him wearing that captain C before you know it. What, what do you think? Like, is Can he start at, at middle linebacker early? Or is it going to be learn behind Collins, learn behind this guy, and then next thing you know it's a year or so down the road before we really see him unleashed? Yeah, I think he'll probably learn behind Collins for at least a little bit, uh, especially if he's the middle linebacker. Jamie Collins' column plays. It might be tough to take out the field, but you look at what the Rams did last year. They were constantly rotating linebackers, and I was r- really high on Barnes as well. He was actually – on my draft wants list before the draft, but I was only going five players by round and I had to cut them off the list. Cause I was, I was like, all right, who are my top five, you know, like mid round players, but uh, Derek Barnes would have been my sixth. And the only reason for that was just because he's still very raw in coverage. He was a former edge player, like a hybrid defender that played solely at middle linebacker last year. And in, in a way, let me explain myself. He's a lot like Jared Davis 
in the fact that once he's on track, (laughs) he can track down ball carriers, but he doesn't miss the tackles like Jared Davis does. He was very reliable (laughs) tackling, but he's a freight train hitting guys. And you can just tell he wants to play physical. Now, like Jared Davis, Barnes is athletic, but he has some growing to do in pass coverage. And it's a passing league. And I thought the Lions could use the pass coverage linebacker. And sometimes just because a guy is athletic doesn't always mean that they can learn how to cover people. But uh, again, if they use Barnes properly, I think in his first year, I think he's a player that people can really like because I think he's going to really stick some (laughs) running backs and it's going to have the big hits and going to look really good. So, yeah, I was I was pretty happy with that pick. All right. And I was totally fine with the Lions trading up to get him. Logan, I think it's becoming a running gimmick on the show. You have you have compared so many linebackers to Jared Davis. I mean, (laughs) it goes all the way back to Devin White. And then every time I bring up an athletic, I I said, Jamin Davis, you're like, ah, he's kind of like Jared Davis. Now Derek Barnes is like Jared Davis to you. All these guys like he he doesn't have to be a stalwart in coverage because what I feel the Lions are going to do is they're going to drop iffy down there to cover backs tight ends slot players whatever it may be Tracy Walker has some skills in that area we saw Will Harris get burned time after time but he he consistently would come down and either try to cover so maybe they stopped doing that with him but maybe they play Derek Barnes in the middle and let him patrol that and with the number 55 on and maybe they let go old man Jamie Collins. I mean, he's supposed to be Mr. Coverage. Like maybe he goes in and gets people that in, in a coverage aspect and, and they play them both at the same time. So I, I wouldn't get too hung up on it. I, I also laugh every time you compare people to Jared Davis. So that's a funny <laughs> thing here on the show. Probably like 10 years from now, we'll be talking about a draft. Like, man, that guy's like Jared Davis. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and I'll laugh. Did I, I didn't compare Jamin Davis to Jared Davis. Did I, I do remember Devin. White. Yeah. I definitely compared Devin White to Jared Davis because I do oh, yeah. still think they're similar. They're they're okay in coverage, but they're really good at getting to the quarterback when they blitz and they miss tackles and they're athletic. Oh no, I brought up Jamin Davis. Oh man, he's athletic like Jared Davis, but I just don't know about some of the things he does out on the football field. I mean, it's like it's like clockwork. You got to have an easy button with you on this whole whole thing. Like I don't know. I mean, you can't be a perfect linebacker. You can't be all all world coverage, all world tackler, all world off the field. And here's the other thing that that I always got to beat Logan up on. Puts no stock in the in the person. It's all about the shuttles, the uh, the forty time, how many times you bench this guy is a he's a leader man I'm telling you it didn't take me long about five minutes into his first interview where I said this guy's a leader of the defense I mean as bad as Will Harris was I still think Will Harris has crazy leadership ability too he just has to play a little bit better so I'm on board with the person I know you don't take that consideration but I'm telling you this is the guy this is if he's if he's just good on the football field, he's going to be great in the community and even better as a, as a locker room guy, I think. So can't wait to see it. All right, last one. I mean, your time's precious. We we always go over because we just love talking football. Jefferson at the end of the seventh round. I mean, I've been on record on my previous shows saying I was done with carry on. The Lions agreed with me. They booted him. I mean, right when they took Jefferson, I thought, good, now we got a three or four running back with some juice and some ability rather than a guy with no knees anymore and doesn't love the game. I mean, are you on board with me with this? Don't you think this just adds some juice, some fresh legs, and a kid that had some talent? He was a sleeper for me in fantasy when it came to running backs. He's a 
just a football player that I think should have went earlier. And when he was sitting there, I kind of liked the Lions. We're like, screw it. We're just going to take the running back. I mean, this guy might do some real fun things in the football field. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, where they got him at, uh, I thought it was solid value. And it makes more sense if they weren't comfortable with carry on. And I wasn't necessarily super thrilled with carry on. like as a third back. Um, yeah, he can pass block, but as far as just that burst he used to have, he didn't really see it. And the injuries I think kind of caught up with him. And I think that you can get a lot cheaper players to do what carry on does, especially when Jamal Williams, the running back of the Lions was brought in can pass block as well. So where did that lead carry on? And I think Jamar Jefferson, he has some of the best vision in the class and his long speed seems to be fine. He didn't have the fastest 40, but when you throw on the film, it, it does seem like he can pull away from guys and he's not super quick and he's more of a violent runner. When I looked at his missed tackle rate, like it wasn't anything special, but I think he's just going to be a solid complete back. Uh, he's reliable catching the ball as well. So uh, as a third back on a cheap, you know, seventh round contract and just give him, give him, give him a shot. See what he's got. Carry on. Probably wasn't going to be around next year. Anyway, he's going to be on the last year of his contract. So I think it is wise to give the young guys like Jefferson and maybe even Rakeem Boyd um, and, uh, you know, guys, the younger players a shot and just see what they have. I'm excited for it. I think there's other ways they could have went, but I like it. I, I'm, I, I'm curious to see if they add a vet because I'd be pretty cool just to roll with these three as your top three guys and then maybe – you know, a throw in or you, you got two fullbacks, I think, on the roster right now, just sort of a big body blocker if that's what they want to go. But between Swift, Williams and and Jefferson, I think that could be a, a fun, young, inexpensive running back core to roll out there. So, Logan, man, I knew when we talked draft we were just going to be all over the map. I loved everything you brought to the table this week on the Kool-Aid cast. I mean, talking about the players, giving some analysis. You had some, you had some good opinions. I had to beat you up a little bit, which is kind of like I just have to do that on the show to almost everybody. So don't take it personally, please. It's all in good fun. I mean, gosh, it's fun having you on the show, man. You're putting out great content. And just really appreciate having you on. I know, man. The time limit. One of these days, we'll we'll make it happen. But talking Lions <laughs> football, I just can't keep it too short. Good stuff, man. Everybody, we're going to get up out of here. But before we do, I mean, sometimes I do this on the show. I've got exclusive audio that I thought I'd save for the end of the show. And we're going to get up out of here on Friday. I'm going to be talking about the NFL schedule release that came out. You know, the Lions, I got lots of opinions on their schedule and who's on there and what it might look like. I might even give you some way too early predictions. We'll see what I come up with on a Friday. But I've got exclusive audio to end the show of Dan freaking Campbell, our head coach, talking to the rookies, telling them what his expectations are. So, everybody, we'll get up out of here for this week. I'm going to leave you with this, but drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. We'll catch you on Friday. This is Dan freaking Campbell talking to the rookies. Take care, everybody. We're going to bite a kneecap off. We're going to smile at you. We're going to take your other kneecap. We're going to smile at you. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. We're going to be the last one standing. All right? That's going to be the mentality. You've had enough of that shit. Drink it in, 